Hey folks, it's your old pal Larry here. We had a few technical difficulties with this show, uh, so the recording starts about five minutes in. Enjoy. I know a lot of people are saying they don't think this year's NFL season is going to happen. Right. Uh, and I think already there are little hints that that's true, or it's either going to be shortened, or it will be kind of pushed back a little bit, which is going to be weird because it'll interfere with other sports and other um, pre-existing like contracts that venues and other teams have. Um, so in the midst of all this, while nothing else is happening, uh, I think that like all of the stuff that's been kind of like pushed under the rug about the safety of it. And the, I feel like they're running out of stuff to focus on while there's no actual football uh -huh. work happening. Uh, and I think that that is going to open up more conversation for what they've been talking about with the, um, all the flaws that exist within uh, professional football. Mm. So, so a lot of these are uh, criticisms of football, not necessarily criticisms from you, but you know, uh, negatives about football and its safety. But now with the void of sports, that's that we're we're inside people are going to focus on it and then that's just yeah. really going to build and maybe put the sport in a death spiral um yeah so are you thinking like a uh a last da dance type docu-series on espn about the dangers of concussions wait is that something that that actually is out well there's uh the last dance which is uh the the documentary series right now about the the last year of the Chicago Bulls championship team. Oh, right. Right. Uh, I mean, I'm sure something like that is, if it's not, I'm surprised it hasn't already been yeah. uh, put out there. I know there's been a lot. It was the, the Will Smith movie. Years. Well, right. also there's like a outside the lines did a big expose on it, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that didn't do the trick. No. So it's got to be a documentary series that people could talk about. People like documentaries yeah. like OJ, The People versus OJ Simpson. Um, Do you follow him on Twitter? <laughs> I, I don't. Actually, I, I've, I remember seeing some of his tweets. I guess it was before Buffalo's playoff game because he's still a Bills fan, right? Uh, yeah, in one way or another. Like, he was wearing a Bills jersey on draft day. So Okay. So he is a Bills fan. I mean, let's not equivocate on that fact. Yeah, I guess Andy and OJ Simpson are similar in some respects. Yeah, they I very mean, much are. And they want, to, they want the truth. For... They, you both want the truth to come out, whether it be about uh, concussions or who the real killer was in OJ's trial. Right. And I mean, it's not uncommon for our names to be said in the same sentence. I just yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. especially uh, when you're when uh, you were late for breakfast and your mom was like, "You're Andy Fitch, you're OJ Simpson is getting called." Yeah, and uh, the number of times also, I mean, it's really common for people to call me the wrong name. People <laughs> say I have a face that does, I sometimes I've been told I don't look like an Andy; I look more like an Orenthal James. Right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see that. I could see that. Orenthal. What a. I wonder where that name comes from. 
Wow. Well, uh, we may never know. So uh, back to this uh, big expose on football. So, okay, so people find out, wow, football, it, it starts breaking through. And some people who previously would have let their kids play football, say, in in high school sports or something of that nature, uh, decide, hey, I'm not going to let my kid bash his brain in. I'm not going to let my kid play football. Yeah. Is that kind of yeah. the, where and the spiral I, begins? I Yeah, I think so. And I should say, like, I don't have a ton of, like, stats or anything. Mm-hmm. A lot of this is just, like, a hunch. It's just kind of, like, what I'm, I'm yeah. getting from the stuff I see. And that was a big thing that came out. I, pretty, I don't remember where it was, but some school in the Midwest, you know, where, like, there are some towns where like a high school football team is like the thing they rally around. Yeah. Uh, it was a big deal because they not only um, like their school year is basically done. Every kid is going to be homeschooled for the rest of the season, but they've already kind of made the decision to uh, more or less like dissolve that wing of their, um, their sports program, their athletics. Uh, and it, because like, people in the town were concerned about the safety of the kids with like concussions and injuries in general. I guess some kids had um, pretty serious mm. uh, like neck and spine injuries, which is like nuts to happen Yeah, in at that age. Um, and it's super dangerous if that's, if it's that serious. Um, yeah. But like stuff like that, like they, they made the decision now in this vacuum in this gap where had time to look at it from a different perspective mm-hmm. when it wasn't like well school year is going to be starting this is when all the advertisers are going to put their logos all around the you know it, it's you know they don't have as much else to focus on so they can kind of look at it in a different light and i think that might be a reason that uh stuff changes and again i also i i said it specifically it's either going to be gone or it's going to be very very different very and very I think different What's more likely is that it's very, very different. I don't know what form that would take, but yeah. um, I do think some things are going to drastically change soon. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like the closest like equivalent would be like boxing, which was one of our major sports, and then parents stopped letting their kids do it. I feel like essentially because of what happened to Muhammad Ali, and they look at this brilliant guy who was at the top of this game being reduced to someone who's having like serious neurological damage and can't really function well on his own anymore. And I mean, boxing is around, but not in the same way. So like, I hear you on like, we might be looking at like some sort of super scaled down version of the NFL pretty soon. Mm -hmm. I also I can't remember if I said this last time I was on the Larry the Athlete show, but like I feel like what will really, at least to me, like what needs to happen for it to really be the nail in the coffin is for someone like Tom Brady or Peyton Manning to really start showing signs of neurological decline. Yeah. Because the people we've had so far, like probably the most famous person is Junior Seau. And he's like, a big name but like he's a defensive player he's not in a million commercials the way like these guys are like someone who doesn't care about football at all 
still knows who like those guys are. Brady and Manning, right. as opposed right. to Junior Seau. Yeah, and if one of those guys is walking around like Muhammad Ali was at the end of his life, then right. I think it's like okay, the NFL is done. Well, that's that would the other be, thing. I I think a a big I like I'm, you said you you said nail in the coffin, right? Like I think a big thing would be if something like that happened like now, like when people are showing it younger and younger and somebody's in the spotlight like that, like Junior Seau donated his brain, you know, 15 years ago or something. Like, it was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, did you happen to watch the Dark Side of the Ring about... Um, uh, Benoit, Chris Benoit? Chris Benoit. I did. Like, that, I think something, the other thing that, uh, hopefully it doesn't, but the other thing that could happen is that, mm-hmm. like, some that would you know facilitate that would be something super tragic and big like that like a young person uh you know yeah you know what i mean yeah, yeah for sure i mean like once something something like that happened although it's weird like if it happens now it would be competing in news cycle in the news cycle with coronavirus whereas if it happened uh during some other time, I think that would be like the story of the day and that would go on and on and probably pick up speed on its own. Uh, but I like the idea of um, that you were talking about with people now having time to think and actually make good decisions. Uh, you know, kind of like Shakespeare writing King Lear during the, during the bubonic plague. Mm. That's yeah. And that, that just, that's a that's a inspiration. You got to do something during this time off. Unfortunately, I'm not as good of a writer as Shakespeare, so I'm not going to write King Lear. Yeah. Well, but you technically could write King Lear right now. If you wanted. Yeah. yeah. But like, I think it only counts if I do it from memory. Yeah, that yeah. would be cool. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I think. Football is it's gonna it's gonna go somewhere because I, I I think people whether it's because they have more time to think now or otherwise are just not gonna let their kids play football and then the talent pool will kind of dry up. Uh, if it were to change form, like you also mentioned, what would be the form? Um, well, I mean, credit where credits due. I think the XFL got a couple of things right. In- okay in protecting players in minor ways like that uh the kickoffs that they kind of adjusted so that there's like there's like a certain chunk of yardage where like you're guaranteed they're not just going to get like cold clocked when they're looking to catch the ball on a kickoff right you know like stuff like that i think is smart and i don't think it takes away anything from the game yeah and if anything it like makes it more exciting i don't know if that's something they kind of like hoped for but like it's like guaranteeing some sort of return attempt. I actually think that was, that might've been a rule that there are no touchbacks, right? Am uh, I, I don't know that? about that, but I, I mean, I do, I do remember seeing what you were talking about with the kickoff returns where yeah. uh, it's not until the returner catches the ball that they're able, the kicking team is able to start running and start right. attacking. And they move field. them forward. So they make up that, yeah. that distance it doesn't i think stuff like that is uh pretty smart and yeah. you know a lot of that i'm sure 
came from people who were experienced in that, like, you know, uh, what's his name? Andrew Luck's dad. Luck? Um, Luck? <laughs> Mr. Luck? Father Luck? No, uh, Marcus, did you know his name? I think it's Oliver Luck. Okay. Oh. Either way, I, I think, like, stuff like that is, is that's the obvious way to, uh, to do it. And I think that, like, enforcing things a little harder yeah also uh i remember one day there was like a chunk of time it felt like forever i don't really know how long it was but where like teams would get penalties if when someone scored a touchdown or just at any point in the game if they spiked the ball mm -hmm. they got like a 10 or 15 yard penalty uh and silly things like that kind of like dissolved when they started enforcing more important things like uh you know stuff to protect the quarterback and um you know different ways people are tackled uh so i think when those are more heavily enforced and when uh the fines and the repercussions off the field are bigger uh, i think that will change the nature of the game on the field also yeah because uh, once we're not paying attention to players who aren't even playing like Antonio Brown, like there's going to be more focus on what's actually happening on the field and the people who need to be focused on. And that will kind of, ideally that would change the way uh, rules are enforced. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely evolving and it's, it's going to have to. Um, all right. Marcus, do you have a hot take for me? Yes, I have a hot take. Yeah. And it, I don't know if it's going to be popular, but I think we should get rid of drafts in sports. Okay. Boo! Boo! <laughs> yeah, no. Boo! Already, already unpopular. I think that they, I mean, I understand why right. people like them, like it's fun, but Very I think fun. from a logistics standpoint, I think that I'd rather that players just become free agents whenever they are like hit the age or number of years in college or whatever, and then just let them pick their own teams. Uh, yeah. But then what's to stop them all from going to the New York Yankees? Playing time. Yeah. These guys are going to want to play. And yeah. instead of essentially like, I mean, baseball is an interesting example, partly because more than any other sport, it exploits and underpays the young talent. Yeah. And then part of like their big issues that sports going through right now is that front offices have stopped overpaying for past performance. And so these guys are underpaid through their primes. And then when they're like, okay, like I did my time on my cheapy amateur, like contract I signed as an amateur and now I'm ready to get paid. I'm, 29 this is when we get our six-figure contract yeah. and all these teams are like hey we're not paying you for what you did in your prime we're paying you for what's going to happen and that is going to be worse and what it really means is that we need to start paying the players when they're younger like uh we're seeing more and more the young people coming right into these leagues can contribute immediately they need to be paid mm -hmm. as such it's not going to work with these rookie contract scales and yes, I think maybe 
some people are going to say, hey, like the best young player, I'm going to go to the Yankees. And it's like, that's fine. You may find yourself being a bench warmer. Right. I also think that you're going to get more hometown stars playing for their home teams, which is cool and fun. Mm-hmm. And you're always going to have players, at least like the big name players playing for places they want to be, which I think is a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's there's no denying that sports uh, breaks a lot of antitrust laws and labor laws specifically antitrust laws in that uh i mean one it's like there it's basically a cartel that says only us 30 organizations can have a team nobody you're not allowed to play against anybody else unless we all agree sure uh and that we're all going to agree to this weird format of selecting new college grads uh and we're all going to agree that we can only pay them a certain amount um it's 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 not a free market. It's not yeah. a free market. Well, and I don't necessarily take issue with the salary cap and mm-hmm. such. Like I yeah. understand why that exists in terms of parity. But to me it's like, hey, if so and so team wants to devote huge amounts of resources to this next incoming rookie, let them do it. Right. Perhaps yeah. it may not even benefit the team picking number one in the NFL draft to throw a disproportionate amount of money behind the best player coming out of the draft. I mean, it would totally change how you draft players because you have to take their contract into account. Um, Yeah, absolutely. But saying there was no draft at all and you just like every player who's becomes 18 is now eligible to be signed. Uh, Yeah. I mean, some teams like say, uh, the Warriors, they, I mean, they're already maxed out. They're at the cap, so they can't, they wouldn't be able to sign Zion Williamson unless they made some crazy move or they traded away somebody. Um, and and I think the player contracts was, would be very different. Uh, so baseball, you're probably more familiar with this. That So it's not, in, you don't, your rookie year doesn't start until your first year with a certain amount of plate appearances, correct? That's right. Right. And then those three years, you get the league minimum salary? Yeah. Or a lot of times they sort of like uh, arbitrate for incremental salary increases. But I think it's like uh, Pete Alonzo on the mm-hmm. Mets, who was like one of the leaders in home runs last year. Right. He was rookie he of the year last year, right? Rookie of the year, he negotiated his salary, I think, up to like six hundred thousand dollars for this upcoming season. Okay. Uh and he, did, oh, sorry, go ahead. Did they extend him or anything, or it was just like out of goodwill? Out of goodwill, just mm-hmm. to like try to keep him happy. And he was pleased with that outcome. But I think if you but essentially like he's getting ripped off. Yeah. Oh, because I mean he's compared to other fifty home run hitters who would be free agents, he, you know, making $600,000. That's, I mean, that's how a lot of franchises have rebuilt and, and taken advantages of these, these like salary, these low salaries to create, to like stuff their roster with stars. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So now he's getting 600,000 and then the third year, it would also be around that league minimum, I guess, maybe negotiated up. 
Uh, and then it's three years of player arbitration. Yes. Okay. So the way that, and then the way that works is, uh, if it, if a team wants to, they could just release you. I guess at this point. Yes. Uh, or well, they, I mean, I guess they can always release you. Yeah. But that's true. essentially, like the player and the team each pitch a number, and if they can't agree on something between those, it goes to like a judge. Yeah. And the teams make their case, and the player makes their case. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's it's basically six years under control after all their minor league years, uh, right? And even their arbitration years, they're probably getting paid less than they would if they were a free agent. In at least for for any their player talent, making for their yeah. talent level. Yes. Okay. Um. So. Uh, yeah, and then uh, basketball, their first four years, their contract is uh, a rookie-scale contract dictated by uh, the spot that they were selected in the draft. And then after that fourth year, they're a restricted free agency, which so they're and then they could sign a four-year deal or at minimum a three-year deal. So uh, good players are generally under contra- uh, under our team control for eight years, where they're making. Uh, generally below, I guess, what they would be making if they were a regular free agent. Yes. So, so yeah. So your your concern is uh, just what is, I guess, what what is good for the players. Uh, but you think this would improve the league as well? I don't. I think the first instinct would be like, oh, this would be terrible for right. parity. But I disagree. Number one, because you have things like LeBron was always going to go to the Cavaliers, whether they picked him number one or you let it pre-market itself out. Yeah. Well, at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also, like, you brought up the case of the Warriors, and I think that sort of thing also plays itself out, where it's like, if you are able to accrue these young players, they're going to still get raises. Yeah, And then it's like, well, the Warriors can't really participate in grabbing the next fresh batch of talent unless they're taking league minimum salaries, which they aren't going to want to do. Mm-hmm. And then you're picking from the teams that have the money to pay you what you want. Yeah. And, and so it would also, uh, I mean, teams would probably start dumping players to free up salaries, but they would there would be no reason to tank and or like try to position yourself in the lower in the standings. No, none at all, because no. you want to make yourself look like a viable place where the incoming class can win. Yeah. So, where do you think Joe Burrows goes if there's no draft? That's an interesting question. I think that he. I'm going to say the New Orleans Saints. I think he okay. signs up to succeed new Drew Brees because he likes nice. Louisiana anyway. Right. He's from there? He's actually from very close to yeah. Cincinnati. Ah, <laughs> okay. But, but he did go to LSU. He uh, did. Yeah. And I know he had, there was like initially stories that he might tell the Bengals, I won't play for you if you draft me. Mm. Like, I know he had some misgivings about the way that franchise is run. Yeah. I mean, who wouldn't? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then again, I'm a Knicks fan, so I'm hoping they get uh, some good talent in the future. And they're run very well, I might say. Mm. But that would be yeah, a hot take. No complaints there. No complaints there. <laughs> All right. So no draft. 
and uh, a frenzy of signings to go along with the free agent period anyway. Yes. Very cool. Uh, my, my, hot take, my hot take is more of a what-if scenario. Um, so MSG this week is, is going through Lynn Sanity, which was, uh, besides for the one really good playoff run the Knicks had in the 2012-2013 season, the last really great moment for the Knicks. So this was in the 2011-2012 season. And uh, Dan Tony's the coach. We all know Dan Tony likes to go shots at the rim and three-point shots. Uh, at this point, uh, James Harden is actually still on OKC. So we haven't even seen Harden yet, who's like the mm. perfect Mori Ball Dan Tony player. Lynn comes in the game, and he's just like... He's getting to the rim, no problem. Uh, and he's you watch him, it's like, oh, this is James Harden. I mean, James Harden is more talented, a better shooter, bigger. Uh, but I'm watching this game against the Nets from 2012, and he's just like working his way to the rim, driving and kicking. He's getting fouls. It's like the perfect D'Antoni player. And while this happens to, to the first game, like everybody on the bench, Mello included, very happy. Second game, Mello gets injured, and Linsanity continues without Mello. And then there's all these questions about whether Mello's going to buy in and play with this. Uh, uh, he does come back. Linsanity kind of ebbs. Um, and then Lin gets injured, and it's just Mello, and they're struggling, and Dan Tony gets fired. And then at the end of the season, Lin is a free agent. Uh, Houston signs him to a big contract. New York doesn't match. Maybe a deal that made sense. But my what if, and and uh, and it seemed like Melo never wanted to buy into D'Antoni's system, which happened when he was at Houston too. He's, he's just a guy who wants the ball in his hand and to do ISO stuff and not even try it, not necessarily take three-point shots. What if Melo, and he's in his prime here, just for whatever reason, buys into D'Antoni's system and thinks like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. That's the right way to play. Um, you know, Lynn, even with his injury, he was healthy the next two years. So they realized, yeah, we want to bring this point guard back. We have, uh, we, they now have Lynn, Mello, Chandler, all the other free agents they signed in 2012 offseason, uh, Rashid Wallace, who's still contributing, they're playing. They're playing proto D'Antoni ball before it was, became a thing in Houston. I mean, obviously it was a thing in uh, Phoenix. I don't know. I mean, the Knicks were the number two seed the next year anyway, with Mike Woodson, who was a assistant under D'Antoni. Uh, I don't know. I think there's a chance the Knicks make some noise. But Mello never bought in, and he he didn't have a great tenure with the Knicks. It was okay, but yeah. I, not a good fan. So I don't know. That's just I'm watching these games last night. And that's like what I'm thinking. If he could have just yeah. gotten on board with it, yeah, yeah. It's too bad. Do you guys uh, do you guys remember Lynn Sanity? I do. What's that? Yeah. I said I live it every day. <laughs> yeah. Don't we all during this time period? 
It, it well, really he's was. also roommates with Jeremy Lin. Yeah, it, it used to be Landry Fields, but now he's sleeping on Andy's couch. Yeah, yeah. Man, it was just he's it was a, my best. I'm uh, by myself right now. You're you're what? I'm I'm. He's not here right now. He's in Beijing, but okay. Um, but right, he'll be back. He is. He's <laughs> like the Beijing, right? He's not in the NBA anymore, right? That's true. I think he was on the the Beijing Ducks or something like that last year. That sounds right. Yeah. I mean, he kind of fizzled out, so it's like, you know, uh, who knows if Why he would think that was? I think injuries in part. His first two years in Houston, he was actually doing well, but they they didn't have a coach who was like really playing towards the strengths. I mean, Kevin McHale was the coach, and he did all right. Um but I think he's just like perfect for running a D'Antoni offense. And if he had the uh, two more years of that, it would have been nice. He it's, it's like they were in the, so the second game of Linsanity was uh, against Utah. And he's like, he's playing Lynn like 42 minutes a game. D'Antoni is crazy like that of, of playing, of driving his players into the grounds with overextending their minutes. Not so much anymore, but I'm just like watching this game as though it's actually happening now. I'm like, why are you not resting him? Good times. Yeah. Yep. We could all, uh, all nostalgia is all we got for sports these days. It's true. I feel like that era also, like, Tom Thibodeau really is, I feel like, the way he like broke so many players yeah. and it became such a, like a joke meme that like now, if you do it, you'll be ridiculed so quickly yeah. that coaches like are essentially like rightfully don't do it anymore because they're afraid of the scorn. But I feel like Tom Thibodeau is really the one who like got mm-hmm. people to really notice that stuff and be like, yeah. man, why do Tom Thibodeau's guys all fall apart at like 28? Shouldn't <laughs> they still be in their primes? It's like, Oh, that's right. They've already played like two full careers because they're playing for this nut job. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tom Thibodeau, possible next coach of the New York Knicks. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. Uh, I mean, as long as if, if, if the front office had a mandate about his minutes, but I don't know if they would or if he would listen to them anyway. Like, he's not. I feel like what really came up in Minnesota is that like he just doesn't connect to the players anymore. Yeah. I mean, definitely with Carl Anthony Towns, that was the case. Uh, uh, so I, I don't know if that's a Towns issue or a Tibbs issue. I'm sure a lot of young players would not connect with Tibbs. Yeah, uh, I mean, I feel like it's like, who did Tibbs connect, connect with the most? Jimmy Butler, right. who is like a psychopath asshole. <laughs> and so it's like, yeah. well, probably Jimmy Butler is the outlier as opposed to like sort of the Carl Anthony sensitive Towns. Gen Z Carl Anthony <laughs> Sensitive Gen Z versus uh, latchkey Gen X Jimmy Butler. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Jimmy Butler seemed to be having a good time in Miami with his teammates. It was the first time it seemed like people liked him. Yeah, it's true. Although I do see him and Joel Embiid interacting a lot on Instagram. I think they bonded in Philadelphia because they're both sort of dickheads. Yeah. But they, so they like, kind of clashed at the same time. Or, or are they still goofing around together on uh, Instagram? Oh, yeah. They're, like, joking on each other's posts and stuff. Mm. 
Yeah. I don't know. Maybe do dickheads do get along. Yeah. All right, dickheads. Uh, anything you want to plug before we get out of here? Um, Armory Zoom shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, follow the Armory Comedy on Facebook to stay up to date on when those are. And then email at the Armory Comedy at gmail.com for mm-hmm. links to the shows. The Armory. Get it. Hmm. Andy? No, I mean, I like the armory. I don't really have anything else to, <laughs> yeah. to endorse, I guess. Yeah, there's nothing to endorse. Well, I'm going to, on that note, I'm going to endorse Powerade. If uh, when you're on the field and sweat is beaming down your face and you just need some electrolytes, you don't want Gatorade because Gatorade's all sugar. Powerade, that's organic nutritional electrolytes. Anyway, this has been another episode of Larry Knows Sports. Thank you for joining me. Uh, you can always follow me at Larry the Athlete on social media. And please subscribe and tell your friends about the podcast. Good night!